Well, it seems like you all have said welcome to everybody in the room, but I'd like you to wrap that up. Good morning again. Let's say it louder. Good morning. I'm so excited that you all are so excited to be here. It is the second Sunday in Advent, and for many of you, you're celebrating the, for the first week here at Advent because we know Advent the first falls on Thanksgiving weekend, and that is an okay thing. So how many of you are here today, we're going to embarrass you, celebrating Advent for the first time? Yes. Just a couple of you. That's great. How many of you have your trees up, cookie party, eating a candy cane? Not yet. Oh, wow. That's like the first thing I do. So today we're thinking about Advent, but Advent is actually the time before Christmas. So you might think you're going to come to church and you'd be thinking about the, the birth story. There's the normal characters of Mary and Joseph and the baby, but we're not quite there yet because you see long time ago, there was a prophet, and his name was Isaiah. And Isaiah prophesied, that's what prophets do. Isaiah prophesied that someone special was going to come, and not just anyone special, but the Messiah was going to come. When the Jews wanted to know, when? When was this, this person, this king, this strong triumph that would save our people? When was that going to come? And the people waited. And that's what the season of Advent is like. We have four weeks to wait. They had decades, centuries, generations. So with that, we're going to read from Matthew chapter 3. In those days... John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the one whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, The voice of the one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore clothing of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then the people of Jerusalem and all of Judea were going out to him and all the region among the Jordan. And they were baptized by him in the river Jordan and they confessed their sins. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our ancestors. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up the children of Abraham. Even now, the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, does not bear good fruit, and it is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for more repentance. But one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not even worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. 
His winnowing fork is on his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary, but the chaff they will burn with unquenchable fire. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? O Lord our God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. So we are in the midst of this Christmas season, this Advent season, and we have decked the halls, eaten chestnuts roasted by an open fire. We've eaten those candy canes, decorated our houses, and made a point of coming to church so that we can prepare our hearts and our homes for the coming Christ. And you all know as good as I that this season can be so busy How many of you actually have in the back of your head? How many days you have left before you finish counting all of the presents that you need to get? It's a busy kind of daunting thing. There's about 10 people that I definitely still need to buy presents for, and that's a daunting fact. So where do we find Christ in this season when it gets so busy? After all, we can say to one another, oh, I'm just so busy. I think I said that to you the other day, James. I said, I'm too busy. I can't handle whatever you're talking to me about. So I'm sorry. We just get so busy, and that's an okay thing to say this time of year because we all know that we're busy. But is it really okay? Because are we so busy with the hustle and bustle that we have going on that we can't really focus on Christ and the real reason of the season? I think um, like mega Christian church somehow came up. Jesus is the reason for the season. How many of you have seen that? I love it. I think I had it on a bracelet when I was in high school. And so we have all of these traditions, but we want to make sure that they're not distractions. You see, this is what happened when I was younger. I asked my mom at one point, why do you always cut off the ends of the pot roast? And she said, you know, I don't know why I cut off the ends of the pot roast. You know, your grandmother always cut off the ends of her pot roast, and so that's why I cut off the ends of my pot roast. I'm sure it has something to do with the cooking. It's written in the, you know, the scribbled pencil in the recipe booklet, And so my grandmother wasn't alive anymore, so we were able to go ask her sister, my great aunt. And my mom asked my great aunt, why do we cut off the ends in our pot roast recipe from our family? And she said, oh, it has nothing to do with the cooking of the actual pot roast. It's just because your mother, so my grandmother's oven was so small that the pot roast that she would get wasn't big enough. So you had to cut off the ends so they could fit inside. And it seems ludicrous because we, we found out, my husband and I found out that we can fit some odd like a 30-pound turkey in our oven, and it just seems ridiculous that we would cut off the ends to our pot roast. Why do we do those traditions? Don't let them be disconnected. After all, isn't it the reason why we give presents? Because the wise men first gave presents. Some frivolous, and some a tipping of hat of who Jesus would become. We put lights on a Christmas tree because it's like the starry night where we look for God and reminds us of the bright star. We don't appropriately have a star on any of our Christmas trees, but you all know what I'm talking about. The bright star that adorns our Christmas trees is like the North Star that pointed. Even the candy canes that are my favorite candy, by the way, They're shaped like a shepherd's crook, 
And if you turn them upside down, I'm sure you've heard this, I've probably done a children's message on it. You turn them upside down, it's a J to remind us of Jesus. And the red stripes remind us of his blood, and the white stripes remind us that he's pure and makes us pure. There are so many things involved in Christmas that point to the Savior. So don't let your Christmas traditions, whatever they are, go see Santa, that's fine. Hang out with some reindeer, that's fine. But make sure that you have Christmas traditions that are pointing the way. And in order for our verse to really make sense for us during this Christmas season, it's preparing the way. I don't use the word preparing very often, it usually is with that pot roast, but preparing your hearts, preparing your home, preparing the way for Jesus to be in your life. And that's exactly what our main character of our gospel today talks about, John the Baptist. John the Baptist, that's not like his last name. He got named that because he was the baptizer. He was somebody who purposely was known as the baptizer, and he lived out in the wilderness, and everyone knew he was a prophet. And this prophet, John the Baptist, baptized people left and right, people who would come to him. And there was a reason why he lived out into the wilderness, because he didn't want to be with the hustle and bustle of the city. We all live in a city. We know how daunting it is to have the city and the busyness around our lives. And he wanted to get closer to God. And in order to be a prophet, that's kind of the main gig. You got to be close to God. And so he was out there. And they mentioned little details, like he ate locusts and wild honey. So he lived minimally. And locusts, oddly enough, are also on the clean item list. You know how Jewish people can't eat unclean items. Locusts are fine. So just so you know, include that in your pot roast next time. Ugh. And then he ate. So he, that's what he ate. And he wore something that was just kind of camel hair, serape kind of a thing. Very simple. He lived off the land. But he came to the Jordan River, which was not in town, obviously. It was outside of town, but not too far. And people came far and near to hear him. Why would they come to someone who is living such a simple lifestyle? I asked myself. Because John was right. John had something to say. And John, they felt, was closer to God. Because John lived in the wilderness and he lived the simple lifestyle and they were so busy with the hustle and bustle of their daily life. So they wanted to seek clean, pure living, much like us today. Here we are living in a busy lifestyle and we want to seek somebody like John the Baptist who feels like they have the direct line to God, to understanding God and who he is. Now, John the Baptist has actually been preparing the way for Jesus, not just at this very moment, but all of his life. You see, we, we kind of turn to Luke, which is a different gospel. We turn to Luke, and John the Baptist's birth is foretold in the first part of Luke, chapter 1. And the latter half of Luke, chapter 1, the birth of Christ is foretold. So we have John the Baptist foretold, and then we, the birth, and then we have Jesus' birth foretold. And then by the end of chapter one, we have the actual telling of the birth of John the Baptist. And then in chapter two, we have the birth of Jesus. Have you ever noticed that the correlation that John the Baptist literally prepares the way for Jesus Christ? And here we are in Matthew chapter three, 
and we see John the Baptist preparing the way for Christ. And you all know the story. Um, John the Baptist is there, and he's saying, prepare the way. Have you guys seen Godspell? I'm not going to sing it, but you guys know what I'm talking about. So there's the prepare the way. And John the Baptist is in the Jordan River, and people are coming left and right, and they're so excited to leave the hustle and bustle of their own lives and be baptized, which they knew was a cleansing of their sins, a repentance. And they literally left the shore of where they were and were washed clean in the river and came out on the other side a new person, realizing that they were washed clean and that they were gods. There was another reason why people came to John the Baptist. Because it's all tied together, ladies and gentlemen. It's all tied together. So we have the scene of John the Baptist in the water baptizing. Now remember the word baptizing, it's one of our sacraments. Presbyterians have two sacraments. We've got communion, I'll get to that in a minute, and we have baptizing. And so the baptizing was happening literally right there, but it was actually hearkening back to the Passover meal. Quick update, you guys know Passover, there were Jewish people, and they were slaves in Egypt, and when there were slaves in Egypt, they needed to be set free, and so the slaves in Egypt, the Israelites, left Egypt and went through, what? A sea, the Red Sea and it was parted, the waters, and they were cleansed. Because back in Egypt, they were sinful. They were praying to Egyptian gods. They were not being uniquely who they were, and they had to repent. And here they go through the waters, namely baptism waters, and they go to the other side. And what do they celebrate every year? Jewish people celebrate every single year the Passover, which is to remind them that God saved them. And so here we have the two things that we call sacraments, these symbols of God's love, great love for us, colliding into one story where we're celebrating communion and we're celebrating our baptism. And whereas we only have baptism one time in our lifetime, we can always sit and remember our baptism. But it is absolutely wonderful that we have communion regularly, I always think of it as nourishment for the journey. So as we figuratively go through the waters of baptism, we realize what kind of nourishment we need for that journey. And the Jews, they packed up unleavened bread to remind them of the Passover. We have King's Hawaiian bread. It's amazing. But it's certainly nourishment for the journey nonetheless, isn't it? So here we are learning about who John the Baptist is, knowing that he can point us to preparing our hearts, especially this Advent season. We want to make sure that our traditions are pointing towards something, that we feel like we are there in the waters of baptism, and that's why we have this communion, and that's why we center around it. It's appropriate for this beginning of the Christmas season that this is only the second week of Advent, and we need to gain some sustenance for this journey, don't we? After all, there's a lot of gift wrapping. There's a lot of candy cane eating. But there's a lot of needing to prepare our hearts for God, 
who shows up in a tiny baby but needs to take up so much room in our hearts. So we're going to be starved. So that's how we're going to come to this table today. Would you pray with me? Oh, Lord, our God, we are so in love with the fact that Christmas is a magical season. And we know the very reason why we celebrate Christmas is because of you. And because you came as a little baby, so meek and mild, to this earth. And you weren't at all what we expected. But here we are, trying to figure out how to prepare our hearts and our homes for your coming. So let us do that. But God, we know that we can't do it alone, and we need nourishment for the journey. So we ask you to come and fill this room and fill this place and fill our hearts. In your name we pray. Amen.